Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. Uh, so if you'll open up uh, with me in your Bibles to, to the book of John, chapter 5, we're going to be beginning with verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there uh, is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty-eight years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. You may be seated. This morning, uh, the title of this message is Alone in the Crowd. Alone in the crowd. To give you a little bit of background here, uh, first is that uh, there's a feast, John says, that is uh, going on in the city of Jerusalem, uh, which means there would have been a lot of people in the city. Uh, more people uh, than usual. Uh, John does not say what feast it is. Uh, but uh, there is a feast that's that's going on. It's being celebrated. The feast of, of the, one of the Jews uh, that the Jews would celebrate together. And so there would have been more people in the city than usual. And on top of that, uh, this pool called Bethesda uh, would have also uh, normally had a lot of people there because it was believed that if you made it into the water at a specific time, uh, that you would be healed. And so there would have been a lot of sick uh, folks who were there around the pool who desperately wanted to get in to be healed. And, uh, so on top of all of those people who would have been regularly there around this pool, there was also the influx of those who were celebrating the feast that John mentions in verse 1. And so it is in this scene that we find one particular man who's been lame uh, for 38 years. Now, we don't know how old uh, he was. Uh, we don't know if he was lame when he was born or if he became lame at some point after which he was born. But what we do know is that he had been lame for 38 years. And he had been taken to this pool for some time. Again, we don't know how long, but uh, probably a few years he had been taken to this pool at least and laid down there hoping that maybe someday he would find his way into the water at that right moment in time where he might be healed. 
And so the first thing that I would like to point out this morning uh, is that uh, he was there amongst a lot of people, but he was still alone. He was surrounded by the crowds, uh, not only of the healthy because of this feast, but also the, uh, the unhealthy. He was surrounded by those who were like him, who were sick in some way, uh, sick in body, maybe sick in mentally, sick and in some way that they believed that they could get healing from this pool, and it was the answer to their problem. This man, however, felt alone. Among all of these people, he said, Jesus, I have no one who will help me get into the pool so that I can be healed. He felt utterly and completely alone. Have you had a time in your life, or are you experiencing a time in your life right now where maybe you are surrounded by people, but you still feel alone? You've got your family around you. You've got your friends around you. You've got your work that you go to where people are there around you, but you still feel completely and utterly alone. I've had those times in my life where I have felt alone even though I had people there who were with me, who would encourage me and lift, you know, love on me, who had been there, who had done that, who would be there, but I still felt completely alone, mm -hmm. helpless, hopeless to some degree, no meaningful relationships, going through the motions. Even and you're there and you're trying to put a smile on your face and you're showing up every day, but you've really reached a place where you just feel like, God, why am I keep doing this? Why do I keep going to the pool? Right? Why do I keep showing up at this water? Why do I keep going to this place? Why do I keep looking for this miracle? Why do I keep looking for this answer? Why do I even keep moving on? God, I'm so alone. And I have to believe that is how this man felt, is that as he was carried to this pool daily, he was homeless, he was hungry, he was lame in body, he had to rely on others and their generosity and their mercy to pick him up and bring him to this pool. And what's ironic here is the name of the pool is Bethesda, which means outpouring, outpouring. So uh, the, the pool here uh, with this, uh, th that is named is, is outpouring. When you think of outpouring, uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind to me is blessing. Mm -hmm. When I hear the word outpouring, the first thing that I think of is an outpouring of God's presence, an outpouring of God's blessing. There are others who the, the, the say this could be translated as mercy. So the pool of mercy, the pool of outpouring, but whatever the case may be, it was a place where people believed that they could find hope. But I'm going to point something out to you today that you may have never known. In verse 3 of chapter 5, the first half of that verse is in all of the earliest manuscripts that they have of the Bible. So the first half of that verse says, In these lay a great multitude of sick people, Blind, lame, paralyzed. In the earliest versions, you have three, what they call part A. 
the first part of that verse. However, the remainder of verse 3 and verse 4 were not added till sometime way after when this was first recorded. So there's a question on the legitimacy of the end of verse 3 and verse 4. Now, I don't know if you know that, uh, and I'm not here to debate why that's there or not why it's there, but scholars question whether that was not added by somebody after the fact. If they were doing a translation of the book of John, uh, and they were making copies, and they thought they needed to add some clarification there for the reader. But here's the deal. Witnesses uh, of this pool said that it was red in color. Historical witnesses say that this pool was red in color, meaning that it was filled with minerals that were believed to have healing properties. And so there's a belief that the movement of the water wasn't an angel, but it was a natural occurring phenomenon where the springs would begin to flow and there would be a certain time of the day based on what time of day it was that the water would begin to move. And the people believed that if they could get into that water, when it was moving, they could be healed. Mm -hmm. And so they would show up to the pool, putting their hope in this pool that could provide them no real healing. It had some vitamins in it, it had some minerals in it, it had some things that maybe could help out someone, I guess, with a skin condition or something like that. But there were no healing, miraculous healing uh, properties in this pool from, uh, from what we can see here based on a real study of the text. And so there's no reason for us to assume that uh, there was some miracle that was taking place in this pool uh, that it was uh, uh, people just, there was, it was a wise tale, right? That if the pool was stirred, that you could get healing if you got in at just the right moment, at just the right time. How many times in our churches do we promise an outpouring? Do we promise mercy? Do we promise grace? Do we promise a changed life and an encounter with Christ? But really all they're doing is coming for the name of the place and not what the place contained. Wow. We go into the looking for something from our uh, churches. People walk in, visitors, or, but we come uh, hoping that because it says church on the name, because it says that it's a house of God, because it says it's a revived outreach church, or because it says it's a freedom church, or it says it's a harvest church, or an outreach church, or whatever the case may be, we go in based on the label and the title expecting something that is not delivered. Because there's no power in the pool. There's no power in the pool. Yeah, there's some minerals. There's some good things there. You can, you know, maybe receive a little something. But we're not seeing the miraculous. We're not seeing the heal. We're still feeling alone and depressed and oppressed and afflicted and, and you know, lonely. Uh, because there's no power in the pool. And our eyes are on the pool and not on Christ. Wow. Yes. Our eyes are on what the church or the building is supposed to contain. Mm -hmm. This pool was called the outpouring or the pool of mercy because of what it was believed it could do. 
And because of its name, and because of the rumors, people came. Because of the belief that something special could happen, they showed up even though there was only a particular point in the day when it could possibly happen. There's only a particular point in the day that they believed it could happen, and if you missed that window, you weren't going to receive what you came for. So often when you and I are alone, we're seeking those answers. When we're depressed, when we're oppressed, when we feel so lonely in our darkest times, we're seeking answers everywhere but God himself. We run from church to church believing that we're going to find something different at the next church. We're going to find something different at the next building. Uh, I've heard rumors that at this building, something's happening. I've heard rumors that this, you know, building, people are coming out delivering. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong that, that God moves and the word spreads and fire spreads. But if you're chasing buildings, if we're chasing congregations, yeah. if we're chasing pastors, right. we're chasing the wrong thing. Amen. Because we're supposed to be chasing God. That's right. Amen. Not chasing a congregation, not chasing the words of people, but chasing after God. Right. Amen. We'll find him, the Bible says, when we seek after him with all of our hearts. Right. That's when we'll find God. That's when we won't be alone anymore. It's when we chase after God. When we seek Him first, not chase after a name. How many people chase after a name and, are, and they're still lonely? Right. They give all of their money. They give all of their possessions to ministers who claim healing, ministers who promise them false a hope that if they'll just give enough money, if they'll just give this, if they'll just go to this church, if they'll just go to this pastor, if they'll just go here, their whole lives will be changed. When God says, I'm not bound by any building, and I'm not bound to any one person, and I'm not bound to any one congregation, but I am omnipresent. I'm everywhere at once. And you can meet God in your home the same way that you can meet God in a four walls of a building on the outside. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we don't need to go into God's house. We are supposed to be in God's house. But we go to God's house as a result of our relationship with Him or because we're seeking God. We're seeking something outside of ourselves, greater than ourselves, to bring us healing, to bring us hope, to bring us strength, to guide us and to direct us. It starts with seeking an answer from someone, a being greater than ourselves. Don't seek the answer from the pastor. Don't seek the answer from the teacher. Seek the answer from God. Yeah. Maybe God will use that individual to speak into your heart or speak into your life or give you what you're asking for, confirmation, whatever the case may be. God can use that person, but it starts with going after God first. Yes. Amen. A number of campuses that you have does not determine if God's there or not. Amen. The number of pews or the number of seats in a church does not determine 
if God is there or not. Being under a bridge, having church, doesn't mean that God is not there. Being uh, someplace that's not traditional, that wouldn't be considered a house of God, doesn't mean that God is not there. For where two or more are gathered, he is there in their midst. And so it's about him, not about us. Gathered in his name. Not under the banner or the flag of a church or a denomination, but under the banner of Christ, the Son of God. He's the one who unites us all. We are the bride of Christ, not the bride of, of Saddleback or the bride of Revive Outreach Church or the bride of some other whatever, the redeemed church in New York. But we're not the bride of a church. We're the bride of Christ. Amen. Our answers and our hope to our despair and our loneliness from quick helps and from a church. Seek it from God. Yes. Amen. Seek it from him. And so this man is by the pool and he's been sick for 38 years. 38 years. I don't know about you, but after a couple days of not feeling good, uh, I want to give up. I, I don't deal well with pain. My wife will tell you that I'm kind of a baby and She'll tell you that I get man sick a lot, you know, things that she just presses through, like uh, or, uh, bad uh, headaches and uh, things of that nature, migraines that she just presses through and keeps on going, and you wouldn't even know she had a migraine. If I get a hangnail, I'm laid up asking her to wait on me and bring me stuff. And I remember when I got the COVID uh, in the week in January, uh, I was sick as a dog uh, uh, by man standards and she, uh, uh man standards. Uh, and so uh, she would, was waiting on me hand and foot and then she got sick. And uh, you really wouldn't have known she had anything other than the flu. Not because, uh, not because she didn't feel well, but because she just does her thing. Me, I get sick and that's it. I'm like, taking a break for a while. I don't deal well with that, but let alone 38 years of an infirmity and then however many of those years being brought to a pool called outpouring, a pool called mercy, where I had a hope that I could get in the pool and get healed. I don't know about you, but eventually I might have stopped going to the pool. Yeah. After all of those years of being lame and sick, you start to lose hope. Right. You start to give up. And the truth is, is it probably just became a habit for him. Mm. Mm. You know, he showed up every day at first with that excitement and that enthusiasm of getting in the pool that, oh my goodness, getting in the pool that day. Mm. Like when you first saved, you first find that new church. Yeah. <laughs> that new body because the old church hurt you or the old church got boring and the pastor wasn't feeding you and you weren't getting what you needed and so you go and for you're excited of what you're going to get at the new church and this fresh church because apparently that church has an anointing that the other church didn't have you know and so you get there and you're excited i've done it i've been there where I, this new church is going to change everything uh, except i just bring my lameness to the new church oh my oh pastor preach it right there yeah, go goodness gracious. Oh. When the problem is in the church, the problems that I'm lame 
And so uh, uh, I'm just getting drug over to the next church, expecting a, expecting a fresh outpouring. But the problem is I ain't chasing God. I'm chasing a, a feeling. I'm chasing an emotion. I'm chasing a group. I'm chasing a people. And here's the thing, if you're chasing people, if you're chasing a high, if you're chasing an emotion, if you're chasing a feeling, and we're not chasing God, eventually you want to give up. Amen. Because God is the only one who can meet our needs according to his riches and glory. Only God can do that. I can't do that for you. No man can do that for you. No matter what, how powerful a message can be preached, no matter how much perceived anointing, no matter how much perceived whatever that we're looking for, charisma, uh, a man cannot change us. A man cannot help us. A man cannot set us free no matter what his name is and how many doctors he got and how much theology he studied. Man can't change us. Only God can change us. Amen. And years of chasing men will lead to depression mm -hmm. because we're not getting our needs met because we're chasing after a pool and not the Savior. Mm. So I'm sure this guy, had, uh, even though he still showed up every day, he had lost hope. He was not ever feeling like he was going to get in the pool and get what he needed. He, I'm sure, was... Tired and frustrated. But on this day, something different was about to happen. He showed up to the pool. Whoever helped him there, uh, got him there and laid him down as he did every day, waiting and just laying there, relying on people to put money in a cup or whatever the case may be to help him get some food and get something to drink and and everything, but he was lame. That meant he wasn't going anywhere unless somebody else helped him get there. And so he probably laid out there all day, and then when the time came and someone maybe would help him get home, his family or his friends or whatever the case may be. Uh, here's another thing. Uh, while we're meant to help each other and carry each other, uh, sometimes man will drop you. Yeah. Sometimes people will drop you off at the pool, but they then leave you alone at the pool. Mm -hmm. And then they'll come back in at the end of the day and pick you up and take you back home. Or pick you up and take you back to the other place to lay you down, wherever it is. But he was laying there this day. And all of the lame people at the pool and all of the sick people at the pool and all the people who were there with infirmities because all manner, the Bible says, of people laid there waiting. Jesus went to this man. He went to this man out of everybody else that was there. And we don't know why. We can speculate. It could be because he had been... Uh, lame for so long and he would have been a known fixture around the pool and everyone would have known that he was blamed and could not walk, right? And so when Jesus uh, uh, healed him, everyone would know that it was a real miracle, mm -hmm. right? That he had actually really been healed. I, we don't know why uh, Jesus chose him. All we know is by God, God's divine providence and sovereignty, Jesus chose this man and he went up to this man and he said, when Jesus saw him lying there, 
He said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, I love what J. Vernon McGee says. Uh, he says, you know, why did Jesus ask him that question? I mean, it's a no-brainer. Of course the man wanted to be made well. But I love how J. Vernon McGee put it. He said the first reason that Jesus asked him that, rather than just going up to him and saying, hey, uh, you know, take up your bed and, and walk, was to give the man hope that he hadn't had before. Yeah. For however many years he had come to this pool and he had been laid beside it for all of these years, eventually believing he was never going to make it into the water. Jesus, now, think about this. Whenever that water moved for whatever reason, there was somebody there that was either more able-bodied or had people that stayed with them to get them into the water. This guy had nobody. He was all alone. And so Jesus now walks up to him and says, do you want to be made well? Suddenly somebody's paying attention to him. Suddenly somebody is paying attention. Now whatever it was that he thought when Jesus uh, uh, asked him that question, maybe he thought Jesus was going to help him get into the pool. Right? The first thing he's thinking, well, oh my goodness, uh, there's hope. This guy's going to help me get in the water when it gets stirred up. Right? Uh, but uh, I love it that I can imagine Jesus with the compassion in his eyes, the compassion in his voice saying, do you want to be made well? And that man looking up and finally having some hope that maybe his circumstances were going to change. And this morning, maybe this is that message to you to let you know that there's hope to look up and know that there's hope that all is not lost, that you are abandoned, that you're not forsaken, and that you're not all alone, even though you may feel alone in the crowd of people. Your Savior, the God of all creation, is still there with you. You are not alone. There is hope. As long as God sets upon the throne and you draw breath, there is hope. Don't let circumstances, don't let people and their negativity, don't let those things, let the devil whisper in your ear and tell you that you're not valuable or you messed up too much, that God can't forgive you, that your life is over, that your life is hopeless, that your life has no meaning. Don't let that happen in you, but allow God to move in your life and be renewed by the hope. Get excited again that there's hope, that there's hope, that there's hope. Yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Be excited mm -hmm. by the hope. I've got to tell you that it's hard and you forget about the hope. You lose the desire. You lose what you had in the beginning. You lose that bit of faith that you had. You lose and forget that there's hope out there because it's so dark and you're so alone and you're so hurt and you're so frustrated and you're so bitter or you're so angry or you're so resentful. You're so lonely. We forget about the hope. And while we're surrounded by darkness, we forget about the light. See, the light's always there. The light is always there, but sometimes the darkness strives to hide the light, and you and I can't see it. 
but if we'll just look for the light. Wow. See, Jesus said to that man, do you want to be well? Right here in God's word is God saying to you and I today, do you want to be made well? Right here is our hope. Mm -hmm. The words, the very word of God. To give us hope. The second thing that J. Vernon McGee says, and I love this too, he says, the second reason he believed Jesus asked him, instead of just healing him outright, do you want to be made well? Was so that the man would actually look at it. I'm sure all day long people had passed by and would walk by. And these people would walk by and, you know, not notice him. And I'm sure after years of being ignored that he got to the place where he just probably sat there and didn't even look up when people walked by. He had relegated himself really to just believing he was going to get some money for some food and maybe some water, something to drink, whatever it was. He probably didn't even look up anymore mm -hmm. as people tossed a coin at him, maybe, or they walked by him, he just figured they were ignoring him. He probably didn't even look up anymore. You ever been to that place in your life where you're so beaten down and you're so hopeless that you just are callous and desensitized to God moving around you? Wow. You're desensitized by the world moving, life progressing, the good things, right? We're missing out on those things because we're just looking down, downtrodden, beaten, hurting, feeling rejected and hopeless and helpless. This man was waiting for somebody to help him get in the pool. What he didn't realize is that his answer wasn't going to help him get in the pool. Is going to reach out and touch him himself. God, Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? And the man had to look up because you know that got his attention. He was used to having some coins thrown at him. He was used to people walking by. But this guy stopped and spoke to him. And you know that he had a moment of that hope because he said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. He's thinking, you gonna put me in the pool? Mm. He wanted, Jesus wanted him to have hope and he wanted him to look to him. Don't keep your eyes on the pool. Don't look at the pool. Don't focus on the pool. Don't focus on what the world offers. Don't focus on what the man says is the answer. Don't focus on what self-help people tell you or motivational speakers tell you. Focus on God's word. Focus on the man who can. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Amen. Son of God, 100% God and 100% man. Focus on him. Look to him. Search for him. I just imagine this man looking up into the eyes of Christ. 
When's the last time, honestly, that you looked up into the eyes of Christ? I know it's hard because at the physical you cannot see him. But when have you and I taken the time spiritually in the midst of our pain and our hurt mm -hmm. to just look up? Just look up. Notice the man did not say, I want to get well. His answer was, I want to get in the pool. <laughs> Remember this, never let what you think the answer is override what God knows the answer right. is. Amen. Amen. And in this case, Jesus was going to do for him what no man and no pool could ever do for him. He was about to crush this man's expectations in a good way. Right. The man expected maybe help to get in the pool, and Jesus was about to give him something that was about to blow his mind. See, the great thing about God is you don't have to go to a specific place or be at a specific time for him to move. He moves on his time, and he can move at any time, at any place, whenever he wants to, mm -hmm. and whenever he needs to. Mm -hmm. So while this man was waiting for a specific place to be ready at a specific time, Jesus blew his expectations away and said, I'm going to do something better than that. Rise, take up your bed, mm -hmm. and walk. How often do we have our expectations for what we think must happen for us to be healed? Or what to make us whole, to make us to fill the fullness of life, to have an abundant life. We have those expectations. And those expectations are being met. And God says, hey, how would you like to have an abundant life? Do you want to have an abundant life? And you say, yes, God, if I could just get a better job. That's what he was doing. God, every time I'm up for a promotion, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so gets in front of me. Every single time that I start to make progress, someone says something that hurts the feelings. Every single time I start to take a step forward, something bad happens in my life. That's what the guy said. Every time the water stirred, every single time, there was nobody to help me in. How many times do we get so focused on that where we say, God, if you would just do this, I could have an abundant life. If you would just do this, I could be healed. If you would just do this, I could have peace. If you would just do this, I could have all fullness of joy. And God said, I've got something better for you that isn't dependent upon your circumstances, that isn't dependent upon how you feel that day, but it's based in me, the God of all creation, who gave his life so that you and I can be set free permanently and be healed and have abundant life, for in this life we'll have trouble. But take heart, because Jesus Christ has overcome the world. He knows what we need. Right. While we're taking steps to try to get to where we think there needs to be fullness, Jesus Christ has the cheat code. Mm. 
You think you need to go through this path. And God says, uh-uh. If you'll just follow after me, you can go this way. How many times have I had to be taught the same lessons over and over and over and over again because I was trying to tell God how to do it, how he needed to do it. And you constantly, be, you, it's like in the uh, 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 game Sorry, where you know, you're getting an answer. I don't know if you've ever played that game, but you're playing Sorry, trying to do it your way, and then out of nowhere, someone comes and knocks your piece and puts it back at home, Right? <laughs> It's like you're trying to do it your way. You're saying, God, do it this way. Yeah. And God has to keep pushing us back. Yeah. Saying, if you just do it my way, I'd have you from point A to point B and no time compared to you doing this, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, hitting the same obstacle every single time and going all the way back to square one. If you would just listen to me, if you would just follow me, if you would just put faith and trust in me, you'd be there already. Oh, no. We get mad at God for not getting us to where we need to be. And I am a perfect example who has been struggling with this for two years. Since 2020, I've been struggling with getting, believing that we could possibly get where God had promised that we would be. Struggling, fighting daily, weekly, monthly, just to keep coming, just to keep moving, just to keep preaching. It becomes easy to give up hope. To get discouraged and wonder, God, all those promises you made that I, I believe that you said, where are they? Right? And you become helpless and hopeless because I, or you and I, hold God to what we think he needs to do to get us to where we need to be. Mm -hmm. If we'll just have faith and trust in him, and stop trying to do it on our own. Mm -hmm. Let him say to us, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Yes. Look how simple. But that man could have laid there. He could have said, hold on for a second, what do you mean? you got to drag me over here by my feet to the pool first. The water ain't stirring. Oh, Man, I, there's about 10 messages in here. The water ain't stirring, so what, you know, what good is it going to do? But he rose, mm -hmm. took up his bed, and walked. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That blows me away. He had to actually believe the word of Christ. Right. He had to believe to be able to get up and pick up his bed. I mean, this man had not walked in 38 years. And this dude just comes by and says, get up. It did not stand to reason. There was no logical for reason for him to try. No, no reason at all. But there's no place in scripture where he argued with Jesus. It says he got up. Mm -hmm. Rolled up his cot he'd been laying on and started to walk. He 
because he was obedient to what Christ said and he did not argue with him. How many times do we tell God he can't do something? Well, God, it's impossible. Don't you know I've been like this? Don't you see the circumstance? Don't you see X, Y, Z? It's impossible. And so we don't follow him. We don't take the next step. We don't rise. We don't rise when he tells us to rise. And then we wonder why we're not healed. If that man had not gotten up, He'd have laid there for another 38 years. He had to rise. I don't, I don't know why he suddenly thought that this was it. I don't know if it was Jesus' voice. I don't know if it was his presence. I don't know what it is. But some inside of him said, something's different this time. I'm getting up. And he got up. Learn to discern the voice of God versus the voice of people. Right. There was something in Jesus' voice and presence that caused this man to listen when he said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Listen to the voice of God. Do not be distracted by the voice of the enemy. If you'll listen, you'll know his voice, and you'll hear him. Amen. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.